Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, we're finishing off our Northwest recap here for all of the divisions to be finished and taking a look at the 2024 cap projections that you released last week. So we're going to start with a recap first. Uh, Denver Nuggets, biggest move of their offseason. Yeah, unfortunately for the Nuggets, their biggest move is it's not a positive one. They lost Bruce Brown, a key rotation player for them. Uh, you know, arguably, they don't win the finals without Bruce Brown's contributions. Now, it's not the end of the world because I think uh, Christian Brown is ready to take on a bigger role. They're very high on Peyton Watson. Uh, those two guys were drafted in the first round last year. So I, I think they're going to be fine. But that's that's a you know fair, fairly big big loss for them. They also lost Jeff Green. Uh, they're they're kind of do it all backup big man. He he filled a bunch of spots, and they think part of the hope was a guy like Waco Chanchar might be able to step in and take on a bigger role replacing Jeff Green. The challenge there is Chanchar tore his ACL uh, playing for Slovenia in the lead up to the World Cup, so he's going to be out. So. The, the Nuggets are, they, they, they've got some work to do. They, they need some of the kids. So whether that be Braun continues to round out his game and all that, and, and I think he will, um, I think they, they're hopeful Peyton Watson can step in and maybe handle some rotation minutes. Maybe Zeke Naji, who they've kind of given opportunities to. He hasn't always seized them. That's kind of gone back and forth. Maybe he can step in and play a, play a bigger role in the backup front court. And then the guys they got, you know, in the draft, Julian Strother, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson. I think they're hopeful maybe one of those guys emerges as well. So it, it's not the end of the world for the Nuggets. They're deep. They're still a very good quality team. You know, they're, they're going to be right in the mix to defend their title again. But they do have some depth uh, stuff to figure out. So what else is left for them to do if uh, they have the injury and, and the depth stuff? Yeah, I, I think, you know, maybe go get another big uh like another veteran big because right now they, they just that's really what they're lacking uh off the bench now Jokic can carry a you know very heavy load and and will play you know a lot uh he's generally been extremely durable Aaron Gordon uh is fine Michael Porter Jr I think this year you may see him play more at the four uh than he has in the past um just you know kind of rounding out that front court a little bit they may experiment with some small ball uh stuff with maybe Aaron Gordon at the five every once in a while when Jokic sits but just finding one more big to have have in the mix. I think they'll figure out the wing stuff because I really do think Christian Brown is going to take on a, a bigger role and uh, you'll be, be a better player for them than, than what he was last year. And I do think Peyton Watson will, will get his opportunity. So I'm not as worried about that. And then the other one I would add is backup point guard. They need to – Reggie Jackson needs to be better than, than what he was because – Jamal Murray needs to – they don't want to put too much on him in the regular season. I think they also, if he's ever feeling anything, want to feel like they can give him the day off and say, hey, take the day off and Reggie Jackson will step in. He just wasn't great for them after being picked up, but they re-signed him to uh, their their taxpayer mid-level. So that's that's a kind of an interesting type contract when it looked like he was more of a minimum type guy. But, but we'll see you know, where it kind of all comes together for them as they flesh out the depth. 
when you talk about needing a big or backup point guard position, is there anyone out in the free market still that could fit onto this roster that they may target? Or is this more of a uh, long-term, probably trade deadline-esque type move that they'll have to do? Yeah, I think this is probably a trade uh, deadline type thing. There's just nobody out there who screams like, yeah, you know, they'll come in for the minimum that they would also want. I know Christian Wood is still out there, but I just, he doesn't seem like a Nuggets kind of guy, which is unfortunate because I think he could be not very good for them if he came in, you know, with the right attitude and ready to play the way that they want to play. But yeah, I think this is probably more of a, all right, let's get into the trade deadline and we'll figure it out. Their challenge is they are hard capped at the second apron and they're only about 4.7 million under that second apron. So that's, that's something they're going to have to work, work around a little bit there, but that's part of why I think the logic behind, Hey, let's give Reggie Jackson, Five million, because now that's five million in matching salary that they can have. You you could add guys like Zeke Naji if they're you know kind of say, all right, we've kind of been there, done that, where we're gonna move on anyway. That's another four point three million. Now you're up to you know about ten million. Throw in a minimum salary or whatever you need to do, and that gets you in the range to fill you know a need there. And maybe if you did like a two or three for one kind of trade, then you you. Know, brought back let's say 10 million or so then what you do is you use the additional roster spots uh kind of post buyout to say all right who 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 can we snag there they didn't get through it that way their their big challenge is just trying to stay under uh, that second apron so they don't get dinged with all the additional penalties and obviously they have to because they are hard capped at that second apron now yeah and continue to stay healthy because if yeah. you're paying that much money and you have your big guys of uh, Michael Porter Jr. and um, Jamal Murray, if they get dinged up again, ho- hopefully not because when that team is all together, they're stellar. But yeah. um, the, the health is the big thing, especially when you are paying that high. And we've seen that with like uh, the likes of the Clippers paying so much, but having a lot of injuries. Yeah. And uh, speaking of just being expensive, uh, just it's, it's time to start the process with an extension for Jamal Murray. Uh, I don't know that they they'll get one done this year. I, I kind of don't expect that they will. I think that may be a, cause he's still got this year and next year left on his contract. So I think they'll let that play out a little bit, but it is time to at least start, you know, and this is, this is good information gathering time because what this does for you is, all right, where are we at? Are we, you know, are we miles apart on this? Is he, I got to be a max guy. And they're like, eh, we're not thinking that. Like it just, this is good, uh, you know, a good way to start the process on those conversations to start to figure out where you're both at. Yeah, that's a good point because some of these teams, they're locking up these extensions so that they know what's already on their books. And Denver's already made some, precursor moves of acquiring second round picks yep. and, and, and thinking forward. So they may be already in that process of, all right, let maybe they are in lot. Let's lock up Murray now so that we already know what is going to be on our books outside of the next two years, or maybe they slow play it, see what one more year of being fully healthy does for him and, and then allow them to assess after the fact. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I think we're probably most likely to see is them kind of, you know, all right, let's run it through a little bit here and, and uh, see, see where we're at when, you know, he is fully ready to go. All right. Minnesota Timberwolves, biggest move of the off season for them. 
Yeah, I think this one's yeah, relatively easy, and it's not an addition. It was just locking up uh, Anthony Edwards to to the um, the, the big uh, Supermax, or not Supermax, but uh, designated rookie extension. Uh, he'll be there long-term now. Uh, so you've kind of got your uh, uh, main core of Edwards and Gobert uh in towns moving forward so that that those are your guys that as you build everything and everything else is being built around them so and edwards is so far so good and with team usa now this summer in the lead up to the world cup he's been excellent he's been you know probably the the best player on the team he's really uh evolving into being a team leader and i think we're gonna start if we're not there already we're gonna start thinking of the wolves as his team versus carl anthony towns team here you know anytime in the next you know year or so um i would say most of us are probably already there but but that that was a big one and then everything else was just kind of filling out depth around those guys they re-signed Nikhil alexander walker uh, they they brought in Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton, so uh, backcourt players, wing players. They, their front court's pretty loaded because right before the off season they extended Nas Reed. Um, so you kind of got your front court set. Now you added a little bit of wing and guard depth, and and they're I, I think this roster's looking pr- pretty solid move, moving forward into this year, and we'll see. You know, hopefully health is something we hope for every team but with these guys i felt like we never really got to see what they were because just as they were kind of figuring it out carl anthony towns got hurt and then it was just months and months of an incomplete team and then they went right back into all right now we got to try to kind of figure this out again when towns returns so uh you know hopefully this year right from the jump we'll get to see the wolves in this roster as, as it was kind of envisioned when it was built a year ago so what kind of work is left for them to do, if anything, if they've already acquired depth and are, have a pretty solid roster? Yeah, Jaden McDaniels. Got to get an extension done with him. He he should have been you know, in the uh, all-defensive team last year. He is excellent. He's a key, key player uh, for this team. He's kind of the only uh, true like four on the roster. Towns plays the four, but he's really much more of a five. And Jaden McDaniels then slides down to the three, but he covers at the four uh, when they go into to, to their rotation and go to their bench. He plays you know a lot of stuff. He's easily the best defensive player on this roster that isn't Rudy Gobert, um, but he's a different kind of defensive player because Gobert does all his work, obviously, in and around the paint. McDaniels is kind of everywhere, and he's a much, much better offensive player than I think a lot of people realize. This is a guy whose roles, it's a little bit stunted here because you have Edwards, you have Towns. They're very conscious of making sure Gobert is involved. You've got Mike Conley kind of running things at the point. So McDaniels, you know, he kind of becomes the fourth, often fifth option on the floor for this team, but he shoots it really well away from the ball. He's a pretty smart uh, ball mover and cutter, and he can do a little bit off the dribble too. So I would try to get him re-signed if I was them. I know that's locking into even more money around a team that's, you know, now kind of you know, locked into a bunch of money moving forward, but it's the right decision because he he's just that important to this franchise. And his deadline for the extension would be October 31st, correct? Uh, yep. Uh, no, actually, start of the season uh, for those guys. The 31st is the correct. rookie scale option, so the start of the season. So what I think the season starts on the 24th, so 23rd, uh, I believe, is the last day those guys can do those uh, 
uh, rookie scale uh, extensions and the like. So, so yeah, so we're, we're not on the clock fully yet. We're a couple months to go, but, but it, it you know, he, he's not a max guy. Generally it's the max guys who get taken care of first and then everybody else kind of after every, when everybody starts getting back from vacation and the like, then you start seeing uh, the non max uh, rookie extensions get, get wrapped up. So I, I, I just got to believe the wolves because what you don't want to do is let's say he has an even bigger year next year. Let's say you were targeting him. Let's just five years or four years, a hundred million, 25 million a year for Jaden McDaniels. Let's say he has a big year. You might have a team come in and say, Hey, you know what? If he can be our second option and be even better, we'll go, you know, 30, 35, you know, full max on him. If we have to in restricted free agency. And all of a sudden, if you're Minnesota, you're paying more for him than what you expected. So, so I would try to get this done if I was the Wolves. Yeah, you you, uh, you you started to say five, and now you can say five yeah. with these rookie extensions. <laughs> yep. So um, I, I'm going to add my own work to do on here. I know I've been asking with all these more so questions with you, but I'm going to add my own little nugget here. I think they need to have a plan A, B, and C as far as if they need to blow this up with – if they need to try to move Towns, Conley, whoever it might be, um, because – the writing's been on the wall with this team and, and the rumors have started to come out over the last, uh, what, six to eight months about Towns, if mm-hmm. they keep him or not. Yeah, they have extended him, but I think they need to start having uh, those internal conversations of if Anthony Edwards is the guy that we are definitely moving forward with, which they are because they've paid him and he is making strides forward, they may need to pivot off of their Carl Anthony Towns, similar with the Kevin Garnett of we, we just have to pivot now because, you know, there might be uh, the pieces that we can get back may allow us to reset some draft picks or bring in some other players that may help us more so in the long run. So that's my work to do with the, the Minnesota team. Yeah, I think that's that's it's really good call out because you got to figure it out. Well, what is our plan? here moving forward now your hope is right we hit the ground running this season everything comes together as envisioned and we're really good and then your your decision is well, we're going to keep everybody we're going to kind of you know, run it forward but this team going into next season so this you know a little a lot will happen between now and then but a year from now they're only about 2.7 million under the luxury tax so you add um Jaden mcdaniels um in at I think he's going to get at least 25 million a season. Um, you know, maybe even more than that. Now, all of a sudden you're pushing up against the, the super tax and that second tax apron. That's where it's like, all right, we better be good if we're going to do that. Cause, cause that's way too expensive for a middling team. That's kind of hanging out down in and around the play in tournament and those kind of things. And, and then you start looking at if that's where you're at, your easiest way out of it becomes, all right, maybe we do got to trade the big guy. Maybe it is time to move on from Carl Anthony Towns, get a really good package of assets back because what they could do is flip it as, hey, we're trading Towns. We're not rebuilding. We're going to trade him and just reset around Anthony Edwards, around Jaden McDaniels. We've got Rudy Gobert. Like They should still feel confident they can be a pretty good team. And I think that was part of the idea behind extending Nas Reed and giving him the money was, hey, even if we have to trade Towns or 
I think they wouldn't mind trading Gobert if they could. I don't think they probably can, at least not with much ease. But if we have to trade Towns, at least we're covered, right? Then we still have Gobert and Reed, and we're good to go um, at the the big man spot. So I, I think there's if it's a slow start for the Wolves and they're struggling, we're going to see even more like, all right, it's time to move Carl Anthony Towns. All right, moving on. Oklahoma City Thunder, biggest move of the offseason for them. Yeah, this one's a, a little, you know, weird. It's kind of hard to pick because most of what they did was bring bring guys back. But I'll say it's kind of two, and uh, two A, and then I'm going to cheat and uh, smuggle in a third here. But the, the first one is um, trading up in the draft to, to get Kassam Wallace. Um, I, I think they feel really good about that pick it's an interesting pick because this team has a ton of guards and wings already uh and really really good ones so you've got Shea Gillis Alexander you have Josh Giddy, you have Lou Dort you have uh the wing guard Jalen Williams uh they have Trey Mann who they drafted a couple of years ago you have Isaiah Joe so this is a, a kind of deep team in the guard spot wing spot they, they really play kind of like four perimeter players around one big Last year was it was a very funky lineup, but it worked really well uh, for them to to a lot of success. And and I think it's because you know some of those guards and wings are huge. I mean, uh, SGA, Giddy, and Williams are all big uh, players. Are all you know between six foot six and like six foot eight. And then Lou Dort plays much bigger than he he is. He's only about six four, but he plays like a much bigger player. So so that's interesting. And then add just another guard into that mix. And going up to get him was was you know uh, uh, curious decision, but we're going to see you know how that works out. They clearly felt they had to, so so they did it. Uh, the second thing, a, another guard, Vasily Misic, finally coming over uh, years after being drafted. He he was drafted uh, originally in 2014, um, so we're talking you know ten ten years ago. By the time he finishes this year, they acquired his his draft rights from Philadelphia. Uh, a few years back and now he's he's finally going to come over and see you know well, what it looks like in the NBA for him and they gave him a deal that's essentially the equivalent of, equivalent of the room exception um, on a three-year contract team option on that third year so we're, we're gonna find out and then this one's a smuggle because they didn't really do anything for this one but it is a, arguably the biggest thing that will happen for them Chad Holmgren is going to actually play and make his debut and all that. He looks really good in all the off-season videos we're seeing now. Uh, looks like he's going to be great. He was really good in Summer League. So I'm very, very excited to see them add him to the mix uh, with this young core. So what is left to do with this team? I mean, <laughs> they've got so many young kids. They do have some, you know, the veterans that have been there. They made the Bertans trade. They have a slew of picks. So what is left for them to do within this offseason or within the upcoming season? Yeah, right now it's uh, get your roster in compliance. They're, they're sitting on 18 uh, guys. Now they do have three partial and non-guaranteed uh, contracts on the books. But unfortunately, you know, two of those for sure are for players they'd like to keep. And then one is, is Jack White, who they gave a $600,000 partial guaranteed to so now it's easy to look at a couple of the cuts on the roster you could say all right victor oladipo that's a fairly easy cut they just ate his salary in return for an asset Bertans, we'll see his is just a weird situation because he's in a spot where 
he is um, five million guaranteed for the 24-25 season. So if they cut him, you're going to need 17 million this year and then five million next year. Um, so it's kind of a, a spot, and they may look at that and say, "Hey, maybe we can rehab him, get him back to playing well, and then they can trade him for more than what they they uh, took to get him." in the first place so we'll see uh you've got guys like trey man well i don't know where his future lies with this team because you know get, getting getting uh kasam wallace in there um you know is is that's kind of almost a uh indication of maybe trey man hasn't developed the way they really want him to um with that so there, there's there's some tough uh waiver or trade decisions to be made They'd eaten the contracts of Usman Garuba, Rudy Gay, and Ty Ty Washington uh, in an earlier deal, and all three of those guys have already been waived. So it's not not now we're down to the all right. Those maybe were the easier ones. Now we got some decisions to make. So that's going to be uh, something we're going to be keeping an eye on here over the next couple of months as they approach the the cut down ahead of the regular season. Yeah, this team's fascinating. I'm super. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how this team comes out of the gate this year. Portland Trailblazers, the biggest move of the offseason that has yet to be done. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you phrase that there. Cause yeah, because Damian Lillard's still on this team. So uh check in with us, you know, who knows when at this point, but but we'll we'll definitely talk about that yeah, if and can, when it happens. It, uh, can, I'm gonna cut you off sure. here, Keith, because it, it has gone like zero dark thirty with yes. this whole Damian Lillard for the last couple weeks. Like not even a, a rumbling of a rumor or n- nothing. It's been so silent. Are, are you hearing anything on your end, or is it just because it's the middle of August, everyone's on vacation, and it'll potentially ramp up more so in another week or two once we hit September? Yeah, I think we got kind of a couple things going on there. One, this one is nowhere near as contentious as James Harden in Philadelphia is. Um, Damian Lillard wants a trade. But he is not out there, you know, slandering the trailblazers and all that, nor will he. I, I don't think that's something that's going to happen from him. Because I think Dame is the kind of guy who knows, you know, hey, we're, we're just kind of doing a trade here because it, it's just not going the way we want it to go. So I think for him, his thought process on this is I don't need to be out here trashing my team. Uh, where you know I'm I'm the, the the best player in franchise history. I'm you know every everything these guys want me to be. So I'm not going to go out here and just rip these guys to shreds on a daily basis. Whereas on the flip side, you've got um you you have uh uh James Harden out there basically saying I don't want to be here anymore. So yeah, I'm very happy to to rip. This yeah, team. one is legacy. One is legacy versus is now a. Uh, journeyman around the league. So Lillard definitely doesn't want to taint that legacy that he does have with the Trailblazer fans. Exactly. Yep. So that's a, that's a big, big, big part of it. So I think you're really kind of in a spot here where it becomes, you know, um, we're, we're, how do I phrase this? We're, we're, we're just in the wait and see mode and Portland's kind of made it pretty clear. Like, Hey, Miami doesn't have enough. Like, like he wants to be Miami. I think they're happy to trade him to Miami if Miami has a package that they feel is best. And and I say this all the time with Damian Lillard, if, if you're Joe Cronin in Portland, this is a career defining move for you because you can only trade Damian Lillard one time and you have to get it right. You have to get back the best passable pot package that you can uh, for him. You have to get back 
players and picks and whatever it is that really allows you to move this franchise forward around Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, whoever the kind of leftover players are with that. So that that's something you, you've got to figure out in a you know very important way, because if you're Portland and you don't get this right now, you're not only are you out your franchise player, but you don't have everything you need to have to build going forward. And you're in a position where it all just kind of falls apart on you. And, you know, the reality of the situation is then Joe Cronin and others, they're not going to be there making those decisions down the line. They'll, they'll all be out of jobs. Right. And the pieces that were on your roster are no longer there. Correct. And the dominoes fall from there. So, so with that being said, they only have uh, 12 on their roster <laughs> that I see right now. So uh, obviously outside of the, the Lillard situation, which could bring back, you know, two, three players and help flush out that roster. What, what else is left for them to do as far as their roster construction outside of the Lillard situation? I, I think we need to go back for just a second um because the biggest thing they have done was re-signing jeremy grant um you know they, they gave him five years 160 million dollars uh all fully guaranteed player option on the final year and that was you know locked into we don't know was that locked into with the idea of lillard or be here or was that you know we're trying to convince lillard to stay um they are saying like hey it was done independently I I don't know how far I'm going to believe that uh, conversation, but but that was a huge move for them. And then obviously drafting Scoot Henderson, um, kind of not going to again. This is not a this is far from a criticism, but I'm also not going to give the Blazers a ton of credit for drafting Scoot Henderson when he kind of just fell in their laps at, at three. But they made the right pick. They didn't overthink it. They didn't trade out of the pick. He's going to be really really good. So you have your immediate. Uh, you know, Lillard replacement there um, with Scoot Henderson, but Jeremy Grant, you know, that's, that's a big contract sitting on the books. So, so that turns into how I'll segue into what's next, obviously in work left to do Lillard. We, we know that we've already talked that a bunch, but what are you going to do with Grant? Is, is that you're good? And we're just going to keep him long-term. We know now he's going to be there for at least, you know, a little bit into the season, but does that turn into, Hey, we still feel like that's tradable at the trade deadline or next year or whatever it is. You know, we feel like, Hey, him at, you know, 30 million, 32 million average annual value. That's fine. Right. We feel like we can move that contract. We can go. Uh, and then Yusuf Nurkic, you know, they're going to trade him. I, I kind of been wondering, are they going to try to kind of, Hey, we're going to attach him to Damian Lillard in a trade and where we're going to move on from Nurkic too. And to your point, yeah, they haven't filled out their roster yet. We're hearing camp guys and partial guys that are uh, maybe coming in, but I think what Portland is doing is they're looking at it and saying, we're going to keep a couple roster spots open because a Lillard trade has a very good likelihood of being three for one, four for one, maybe something like, you know, four for two or five for two if they send Nurkic out. So they're not going to lock into, you know, hey, yeah, you could come in on a, you know, fully guaranteed minimum contract and all that because that's going to be a decision they'll have to make down the line. But right now they're in a little bit of a holding pattern until a lower trade gets done. Time will tell, as always, with the NBA and Portland and Miami. And it's fascinating because they're so handcuffed, those two teams, uh, because of this uh, stand down. Yep. Utah Jazz, biggest move of the offseason for them. 
Yeah, acquiring John Collins, uh, you know, for essentially nothing but salary cap space. They, they, you know, we we heard John Collins in trade rumors for at least for as long as I've known you, Scott, and probably longer. Um, you know, we, every year it's you know Collins is going to get traded, and the Hawks are talking to this team and that team and everything. And in the end, he got salary dumped, and that's fine for the Hawks. They they needed to reset their their books and all the stuff that they've got going on. But the Jazz were right there, and this is, you know, this is the point when I, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, um, all these teams have cap space. And a bunch of people start screaming, yeah, but there's no good free agents because everybody extends. And I can't really argue that portion of it, but the reality is cap space can be used on other things, and this is a great example of it. So getting John Collins in, um, via trade, through the cap space, absolutely huge. Um, they made three first-round draft picks, didn't trade any of them. Uh, Taylor Hendricks is a kid I'm super excited about. I got to see him play a lot here. He played at UCF, local to me here in, in Orlando. Um, I, I'm really excited for him. I think he's going to be very good. Keontae George looked really good. Um, it looks like he might be really, uh, you know, an important player for them because there is a little bit uh, unsettled in the Jazz backcourt. It looks like George might step in there. And then they used some of their remaining cap space to renegotiate and extend Jordan Clarkson. So what they did, they bumped his salary number up to um, about $23.5 million for this season and then added two years on at just over $28 million, $14 million uh, next season and then $14.3 million the year after. So really, really good, smart use of their cap space because now you have Collins on a you know, very easy, palatable number going into next offseason, which, again, could be a one, one where the Jazz could make a ton of noise. Yeah, this team's been fascinating from the roster construction, like you just said. They've done a little bit of everything that they can in the NBA using cap space uh, to acquire a free agent or a free uh, via trade or – Resigning themselves, their own, doing the renegotiation and extend, uh, you know, draft picks, you name it. They pretty much have checked up every single box. Um, they could probably call bingo at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they re- really have. I mean, you know, and even you know, if we go back to you know last year, I mean, it's hard to feel anything but you know they hit a pair of you know back to back home runs with the Gobert trade and then the Mitchell trade. It's you know the Gobert trade delivered walker kessler looks like a long-term starter at the five for them uh a whole bunch of draft picks uh came in in that deal then the the uh trade for donovan mitchell they got three rotation guys and a you know their star that they're kind of building everything around in laurie marketing but you also got uh ochai agbaji um who may start uh this year for them but we'll see if he grows into a starting role or not and you got colin sexton in that trade and he had some injury issues but still you know a good player on a fair deal so they they really did um you know really good work in both of those trades and then you know just some moves around the edges chris dunn who they picked up you know on a contract anybody could have gave him after a couple of 10-day deals he came in and looked like he's really maybe figured some stuff out and can be you know a real rotation weapon uh for them they they, you know uh, talon horton tucker they got uh, you know, last season. So just, you know, Danny Ainge, it's, he's good at this. You know, he, he just really is. It's, you know, they, and then this team is, you know, really coming together in a nice, nice way. And, you know, they, they're going to be a team we're going to talk about quite a bit in the second half of the show um, as well. But, you know, a lo- lot of good, positive things going on in Utah right now. 
Yeah, this is a team coming out of the gate. I hope they continue what they had last season and it just wasn't an anomaly and they regressed because they seem to be doing things the right way. With that being said, what is left for them to do going into the regular season, preseason, anything like that? Yeah, there's not a whole heck of a lot left to do. Their roster is basically filled out in full. Um, They've got their their three two-way spots are all filled up. I think this pretty much is the team, though. Obviously, they had a few guys on camp contracts, but but I think you know they've kept Lucas Amanić, um, you know, past a, a you know fairly hefty guarantee um, of four hundred k. They they kept him past that date, so you know he he's there. Omer year at seven, um, got one point four million, half of his two point eight million guaranteed. He's probably going to be there. Chris Dunn's uh, deal is non guaranteed until right before the start of the season, but again. He's somebody that I think the the, the uh, Jazz like having around. So I don't think there's a lot left for them to do. That there's there's not going to be any kind of in season um, cap space maneuvering because they're it, it's it's very weird. They have forty one thousand six hundred and twenty nine dollars left under the cap, which is just kind of a goofy, funny amount. Like that yeah, you throw that into yo know, Yurt Seven's deal or whatever, and just get right flat uh, to the cap, but. That that's me saying that it's not my forty one thousand dollars, so uh, I don't you know get much say in that one. But I I think they're they're pretty well done. I I think this this is the team, and we're gonna see you know kind of how it evolves and comes together. Now now the work's on Will Hardy and his staff. How do they incorporate the rookies? How do they you know figure everything out? Are they gonna be able to make those kind of super big lineups with Kessler, Collins, and Markinen? as a, you know, starting front court really work, um, you know, is, is that going to get it done? So that that's going to be the fun part is watching it come together from here on out. Obviously Denver is the team that's going to come out of this Northwest division, but who's going to be right behind them? Do you think? Sorry, I couldn't get off mute. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's Minnesota. Um, it's, it, it's, I think I just feel most confident in what they've got that it's going to be be them. I think Portland will 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 trade Lillard. I think pretty clearly will be the worst team in the division. I think Oklahoma City and Utah they're they're going to be better than they were last year, but in terms of standings wise, probably fighting in the same position just because the Western Conference is really good um, and, and deep and very good teams. So I think. You know, we'll see Portland move on, uh, you know, into to a rebuild. They'll be bad. Denver's going to be really good. Minnesota right behind them, and then the other two right, right in that mix. It wouldn't be surprising to me at all if we saw all four of those teams in the postseason, you know, may, maybe not into the playoffs, but at least into the play, uh, play-in tournament. Uh, would not be a surprise if those four teams, Denver, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Utah are all in the mix. All right. On to – Way in the future, love this, <laughs> 2024 cap projections and spending power. You posted an article last uh, last week on this. Before we dive into the four tiers, was there any surprises or takeaways that you saw that sort of raised your eyebrows, like, ooh, wasn't expecting that? Yeah, a couple. Um, no one is, like, sitting on 70 or $80 million of cap space. Go going into next season. That was interesting to me. I thought we might see 
um, you know, somebody really be there. Now, maybe somebody gets there. Maybe there's a trade or two uh, in this season leading up to the trade deadline or, you know, right before the season starts or something and somebody gets there. But I think we're we're in a we're kind of progressing back towards where the league had been uh, for years and years, which was one or two teams with the ability to sign a max free agent and then a few other teams with some flexibility, then everybody else is working with exceptions. And I I think that's uh, a big part driven by uh, teams are extending their own guys. Now they're, they're, they're being really, um, you know, conscious of, Hey, we have a guy, he's really good. Let's keep him. And let's get this done. So I think that's uh, caused some of these teams to be more expensive, which then has the trickle down impact to there's not as many, you know, super impact, um, uh, you know, for free agents and the like. So we're, we're in just a very interesting spot for the league right now. Yeah. My takeaway was all the tiers are pretty even as far as yeah. how many teams are in each tier. Yeah, that's definitely true. There, there, there are, you know, it's, we're seeing there's some very expensive teams, some teams with cap space, and then a whole bunch of teams in the middle. But now, now we have kind of that introduction of the, the second apron or the super tax and those kind of super tax teams are in just a, you know, they're, 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 that, that's created almost a, you know, instead of there being three classes of teams, now we have, you know, four, then that's, you know, it, and that's going to take on greater impact next year. Cause if you're in the super tax, all of the restrictions uh, fully load in, they did not fully load in this year. So they will fully load in next year. And though those teams are going to have uh, difficulties, you know, adding talent and fleshing out their roster. They're, they're going to have to do, do, do a lot of work through minimums, signing their own draft picks and the like uh, moving forward. All right. So let's dive in real quick. Each tier uh, projected cap space teams. You have seven of them. The Spurs, the Magic, the Jazz, the Hornets, the Pistons, the 76ers, and the Wizards, ranging from about 55, almost 55 and a half million with the Spurs, all the way to the Wizards at 20.1 million. So my question in here would be, of these seven teams, which team do you think should be the most aggressive with that cap space? Or, and then second, which team do you think will be the most aggressive? Yeah, to make it slightly more interesting, um, I'm going to give you two different answers because my answer for should be and will be, it's Philadelphia with both. Um, we're hearing a lot of stuff about how Philly is going to have two max um, uh, you know, salary slots this summer and th- those kind of things. And there, I'm going to have a whole piece on the Harden and Philly uh, situation c- coming out soon. But in order to have two max slots, you have, you're going to have to have $100 million in cap space. And I can be anywhere close to that. Um, even if they wipe everything clear on their books and just had um, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, you're talking like $70 million. And that's maybe two max spots for guys coming off rookie scale deals, um, but nowhere near for the veteran guys in mid-career that's the, the seven to 10 years of service, seven to nine years of service, or the guys with 10 plus years of service, they're not going to be anywhere close to sign two of them. That said, they're going to have flexibility like they haven't had. I'm only projecting them right now to have about 33 million in space because 
I don't project trades as part of this, and they would have to trade P.J. Tucker. Um, I think they'll keep Paul Reed. I think they'll keep DeAnthony Melton's cap hold on the books because he's been an important player for them. So that knocks them down for me. But even if you wipe all those things out, you're 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 talking a team. You know, they would lead the way, but still not two max spots. But when you have Joel Embiid, you have to be aggressive, and you should be aggressive. So I'll give you them. The team I'm going to also say should be aggressive is Utah because I think Utah, we, we just talked through it. They've got a really nice roster, and what's going to happen is as you have to extend guys, so marketing's going to get extended um, here probably in the next year. My guess is next summer they'll do similar to what they did with Clarkson. They'll use some of their cap space to renegotiate and extend, but it'll probably be more like what happened with DeMontis Sabonis, which is we're going to bring you up near the max and then pay off that um, to to a max type of deal. My guess is that's where that goes, uh, at least some of that space, but some of it could be used to fill out uh, with going, getting a player where it's like, we really need a guard. We need a wing. We need whatever it is. We can go get that guy. And even if that means overpaying a little bit, we're going to do that because they are already a pretty good team. Non-taxpaying teams, you have the Nets, the Bulls, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Heat, the Pelicans, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Kings, and the Raptors. So there's a, obviously this is the, the biggest uh, section of teams in here. Are there teams that are close to having cap space uh, right now that you, based off of your projections or are they all pretty into the non-tax paying teams? Yeah, they're all pretty well in there. I mean, you could see maybe you know, one or two of those teams if they make some moves and shed some long-term salary uh, this summer drop into to, to the cap space kind of range. But most of those teams are pretty well over um you know they're there and, and it's funny anytime you know, you put one of these out there I, I get a bunch of questions from folks who are like well what about this team what about that team and you kind of have to go through and say well yeah I mean maybe if they do you know x y and z and all this like Rockets fans are like aren't we gonna have cap space and it's like yeah after your spending spree this past summer I think you're probably more likely to be over the cap and then you've got you know team like Indiana um who is you know, let's see what happens with guys like Buddy Heald and extensions for, you know, potentially guys like Aaron Neesmith and Obi Toppin and, you know, with that. So that they, again, they could get down kind of in that range. I guess in theory, you know, you, you could have, you know, one or two more kind of kind of jump in there. But for the most part, uh, though, those teams are very likely to be over. Oklahoma City is an interesting one because, if they were to move on from Pokashevsky and say, all right, yeah, we're going in a different direction here, then, then that could be a completely uh, different look for them. But for now, um, I also project them to be over as well. Were any of these teams close to being tax teams that a move or two could put them into that tax paying uh, threshold for next season? Yeah, they're, 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 there's at least a few, few of them. Um, you know, as we kind of get into it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Bulls. Um, they they could be, especially, you know, if they were to re-sign DeMar DeRozan. Miami, the giant asterisks all over Miami. Because mm-hmm. if they have Damian Lillard, they're in a completely different world uh, than they are right now. New Orleans is kind of on that, you know, precipice. The Knicks could, could be as well um, with that. So those teams are all kind of in that range. The other teams, I think, 
should be clear it you know clear enough of it so we'll we'll see where it comes but but that's where where those teams will be you know we're working around that tax paying teams the hawks cavaliers mavericks nuggets lakers timberwolves trailblazers with the giant asterisks for now as well <laughs> Um, with these teams, is there a team that you think just doesn't belong here and they're going to make a move to not be a tax paying team? Yeah. I mean, we're going to take Portland out of the mix, obviously, because <laughs> correct. Cause they're going to, they're going to be in there outside but, of them. Yeah. Outside of them. I no. you know, what's interesting is you have a mix of Denver. They're the champs, right? So I think they're going to be, you know, an expensive team again. Uh, the Lakers, they're, they're trying to, I think, make the most of that, you know, that'd be the last year of LeBron. Um, so I think you're trying to really push in if you're the Lakers. And, you know, at least last year he's under contract. They should be clear. Uh, Dallas, Cleveland, they're both trying to get into that title contention mix. We spent a lot of time talking about Minnesota and how they could end up. They're already pretty expensive. They could end up even, you know, in the next year if they uh, re- if extend Jaden McDaniels. And then you kind of get into Atlanta. The, the challenge is with the Hawks, and some folks may be like, didn't they just trade John Collins to kind of get out of this position? They did, but they're going to have to turn right around and extend on Yucca Kongwu um, and maybe Sadiq Bey, who are two kind of key rotation guys. So so now all of a sudden you've got them. So I would say of this entire like kind of tier, um, these teams are all closer to being super tax teams outside of the trailblazers than they are, you know, dropping down and having the full non-taxpayer mid-level just because of where they're at with committed salaries or guys they need to resign and the like already on their roster. Speaking of super tax teams, Celtics, Warriors, Clippers, Grizzlies, Bucks, Suns. I don't think any of these teams are a surprise. Maybe some may think the Grizzlies would still be just a regular tax paying team, but I guess my question with this uh, section is, are they all fairly deep into the super tax or are they, are there any teams that are right on that threshold where they could easily get out of the super tax threshold, knowing that those massive implications like you've talked about are coming in for that next season? Yeah, so Memphis is the one. They're 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 about one point seven shy. Now they may not end up in the the super tax and have all those restrictions because their other thing that they do have kind of working for them is they have a basically a full roster as it stands already. Um, they, they're they're pretty much if they pick up their options on their guys, they're they're set. They they are going to be you know right right where they need to be roster wise and all that. Um, and they'll, they'll miss, but why we call them a super tax team is they won't have the ability to use anything except for the taxpayer mid-level. If that, you know, well, when you're only 1.7 under, that's barely clearance because if you use the uh, non-taxpayer, you get hard cap. So it only have, you know, 1.7 of it to use as it stands right now, barring major trades to the roster. Uh, Milwaukee's kind of an interesting one. Because what we're projecting, we're doing some projecting here, and what we're projecting is they're going to re-sign Drew Holiday. And if they re-sign Drew Holiday or extend Drew Holiday, they're going to be dancing around that super tax line. Clippers, I mean, they the Clippers are one of the funniest teams because they could have a hundred plus million in cap space. 
I don't think that's going to happen. Or they could, um, you know, extend or re-up with, uh, re-sign Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Let's see if James Harden's on the team or not. Um, and all of a sudden, they're, you know, the most expensive roster in the league by far. Golden State, a lot of this is dependent on what happens with Clay Thompson. They re-sign him. They're, they're definitely going to be, uh, you know, up around that, that super tax line. Team Boston, we know for sure they're they're probably going to be in it. Um, the let's see, uh, who was it? I lost some Phoenix. We know they're they're you know they're definitely in it there. So so there these teams could a couple of them could kind of get in a position to avoid it. But I think for the most part, these these are the the six teams that we feel really confident are going to be the most expensive teams. And I would say though, if you look at that group. They're all kind of contenders, right? These are teams, I think, if if I told you, hey, I have a crystal ball, and one of these six teams won the title, I think you'd be like, all right, I could kind of see how that happens. And, and you could kind of see why they'd feel good about you know, being as expensive as they are. There, there's not a team here who's like, man, what a mess, and they're going to get this figured out. They're, they're all in pretty good shape, at least for you know the next year or two. Yeah, this is definitely still a pay-to-win league. <laughs> Um, but it's going to be interesting because even as you're listing out all these teams and I'm Chris Paul, depending on what they do with him, his is a completely non-guaranteed mm-hmm. for 24, 25. I don't know how you had him projected if you have him on the books or, or off, but yeah, it's such a fluid situation with this, but I love that you do this as early as you do, because, you know, it, it, it paints the picture of where teams could be pending the season goes with the the upcoming signings and it's not even including the trades that could potentially be with like Miami and Portland you you kept it as is until those come through so that when those do come through and then the December 15th trade deadline uh, trade restrictions lifted and then we get closer to a trade deadline it's fun to see what teams uh, have gone up or down based on the moves and you get a better picture of where those teams might be operating come the off season next year. Yeah. I think what it does, at least for me, is it gives me a really good kind of grounding because let's say, you know, we're right now, Ben, it's, you know, all right, Philly could have enough room to offer a max contract. And then let's say they make a trade where they take money on. It's just good to remember, like they were in position to be in that place. And then as we evaluate the other things they did, we can always use that as kind of a, you know, that was a, you know, it, it's, it's just a, you know, marker on the map, right. As they, they move forward, um, you know, with things, but it's just one thing to be like, Hey, had they stayed, stayed this path, they could have had cap space, you know, this summer, they could have done this or that. And, and I always think that's kind of an interesting thing to take a look at because I think what we end up doing all too often is we evaluate right in the immediacy without going back to like, well, what were the other options and how did this impact the future? It's, it's always, all right, what's going on right now and what, you know, happened down the line, but that that's why I like to do it now. And it's also, I think just gives a sense of like, Hey, if you start seeing teams make moves, whether it be over the next couple months or whether it's, you know, when, kind of your know, trade season starts in the middle of December and obviously picks up uh, around the trade deadline at the beginning part of February. I think it's just a reminder of like, Oh, okay. They're already in position. They're just trying to add more cap space or, or, you know what, they're using some of uh, 
uh, next year's cap space and kind of pre-agency by bringing this guy in now or or whatever it is. I, I think those are just things to kind of keep in mind, which is why we like to do this as a grounding exercise. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you that that mental flag of, all right, I, I now see this team is here. They're out of the gate, not so well. Uh, that might be a team that sells at the deadline too. So it gives you that kind of a look as well. Keith, great job on these pieces. Uh, looking forward to the Northwest write-up. The Southeast was posted, and uh, James Harden is coming, as you alluded to. Uh, what else is next outside of those? Yeah, I've got. I've been working on uh, collecting some some data and putting some things together around uh, the two-way contracts and who's been kind of the most successful with the two ways now that they've been around for a number of years and you know who's developed guys into real roster players through that process and the like we've seen some guys really pop um through the two-way process and become you know major contributors for their teams i I think you know one of the guys everybody holds up is a shining example of that is lou dort uh really played his way off his two-way and became a guy who got paid you know pretty you know nice contract uh, for from the thunder so so just kind of kind of experimenting with that that'll come you know here where uh you know and then then it'll be where we're gonna start looking into all right well what are we gonna do with um you know next contract series you know well, we're starting to build a list already um i've had a couple people reach out um which you know tells me they're a show listener because i haven't put the call out anywhere else yet and that just lets us know like hey you know who, who do you guys want to see things about um to be fair, a couple people, you know, said, hey, what about a next contract for this guy? And it's like, uh, that guy's not eligible for a next contract for a while. So, so unfortunately, you know, if, if we don't get to your guy, there's probably a reason why. But those are always fun to write and get into. And we do kind of let the news cycle dictate that a little bit, too, because, um, you know, often it's, you know, hey, this player's in the mix. But but right now we're, we're kind of in the, you know, let's wait and see what happens with Lillard and Harden, and then we'll have, obviously, reaction pieces to those and everything else that'll go up. Uh, I'm excited for some of the work to come. Thanks again, Keith, as always. If you're looking to send a, a message to Keith at Keith Smith NBA on X at this point, um, it, Again, the next contract series or other thoughts that you have, let him know. Uh, Thanks again, Keith. For Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.